Welcome to 30 Minutes on 91.3 KXCI Tucson. I'm Amanda Schrager. Today on 30 Minutes, we continue with part two of a two-part conversation. In honor of Black History Month and Women's History Month, KXCI Community Advisory Board President Veronica Phillips sat down with Rhonda Massingale and Salisa Johnson of Posse Styling Emporium and Deanna Grissett of Melvira's Hair Studio. Hi everyone, my name is Veronica Phillips and I have the honor and the pleasure to be speaking with Rhonda Massingale, Salisa Johnson, and Deanna Grissett. Um, we're going to be celebrating African American hair care. Okay, so I have a confession to make. I don't go swimming anymore because of my hair. So do you find that people of color sacrifice recreational activities or things because they don't want their hair to be damaged? Because I admit I get nervous about that. What do you think, Salisa? I absolutely agree. Um, I used to wear a relaxer and I love to swim. Um, but there were times when it's like, mm, I'm just going to be cute because <laughs> I can't get this hair wet. And, you know, even the three of us, I'm sure, have worn pressing curls. If you even perspire wrong, you're going to revert to a curly natural state. So, I must admit, if you're natural, you can dive in the deep end. <laughs> you ain't got to worry. But we do, as ethnic women, sacrifice our recreational sports due to the image we're trying to portray with our hair. Mm -hmm. And it goes back to keep it natural. Exactly. <laughs> what do you think, Rhonda? Do you feel that people of color sacrifice recreational activities? Yeah, because it takes so long to get it back how we had it. We can't just shampoo it, shake it, mm -hmm. and go. We gotta really work with Mm -hmm. That's why I like weaves. So whenever I get a weave from you, I'm like, I can swim! <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Do you agree, disagree? I agree with them, and I would say that not only do we sacrifice recreational activities, but we sacrifice um, our images for jobs and certain mm -hmm. people that we hang out with um, to fit in and not go against the grain. As uh, Paul Mooney said, when our hair is relaxed, white people relax. I think we sacrifice a lot so that we can feel relaxed as well and fit in with uh, you know, the predominantly white or Mexican culture that we're around. And that's very true because I purposely didn't get my hair braided at one job because I was afraid I would get fired. Because that same year, it's a few years ago, there was a black woman who was fired for having her hair braided. And, and very, very true story. So I was actually, for three years, I didn't get my, I didn't want my hair braided because I was afraid I would get fired. So now, I don't care. But it was that insecurity, uh, that sacrifice that I was making because I was afraid. So that's why I kept my hair natural. I'm not natural, I'm straightened and relaxed. So here's another question. I know that all of you deal with multi-ethnic hair care. So this has resulted in changing your clientele. So have you found that to be a difficult transition? Like you were talking about how education is really important, but if you have someone who's Latina or um, Anglo, do you find that difficult to educate them about taking better care of their hair? Or even children who, I remember I was here one time, Salisa, and you were dealing with a child, I couldn't believe the mom dropped her off and left, and left Salisa literally holding the bag. And I don't know if you remember that particular situation, but that child screamed and screamed and screamed, and it would look like a rat's nest. And Salisa, it was before and after. I wish you would have taken pictures. It was literally a rat's nest and turned beautiful, long hair. I think it was 
almost next to their like mid back. Mm -hmm. So so do you find that a difficult transition, like maybe even educating multicultural families? Well, it can be difficult. We we do find um, a lot of multicultural kids come to the salon, and the sad thing is, like Veronica said, um, most of the times the moms are not of African-American descent. So they drop the kids off and leave, or the dad, who is African-American, stays. Now, my problem is everybody in the household needs to be educated. And um, with that being said, you get some clients who, who receive it well because they reached out to you. Evidently, they're looking for that help. They're looking for that education. And then you get some clients who feel they know it all because they got a baby by an African-American. But I think and what we do and what all the cultures being combined and diverse, it is our position to make sure we educate not just mom or dad, but the entire household. What about you, Rhonda? Have you noticed a difference or a change with the, with the multicultural, multi-ethnic um, community? Mm, yeah, I see more adopted kids or foster kids that has different colors, whether the kid be whatever. But it's hard because the hair is opposite. Mm -hmm. They don't need oil, we do need oil. You know, they, their shampoo pulls out everything that we need. So if they're taking their shampoo and doing the kid, then it's going to work against them. But they don't get that concept. And then our hair is a little more coarse. So when the kid starts to cry, oh, I felt like I had to stop because they're crying. Or I brushed it up in a ponytail. Then you got this big mat. But they felt they hurt them. Or when we were little, we were used yeah, to Yeah, we got used to it real quick. <laughs> So what would you recommend for a multi-ethnic family as far as their hair care is concerned? Ask questions. Ask a lot of questions. No question is too small or too big. Um, just keep asking and coming with them until you get used to it because it's really not hard. It's just knowing and they don't know. Now you were talking about education, Deanna. Would you be willing to even have a, like a parent stay and, and have the parent even ex experiment or something in your chair to learn how to take better care of their children, foster children or adopted children's care? Definitely, definitely. And I think that um, if they understand the texture, then they'll understand what they're supposed to be able to do with the hair. And I would not mind teaching parents at all, um, especially if they're foster parents because they get a variety of children um, whenever you're a foster parent. And so if you understand what each texture does, then you can understand where you're supposed to go with it because a lot sometimes I'm not even gonna lie and say a lot of times sometimes or every once in a while I may see a little white baby with uh, kinky hair you know or um, an Irish baby with very coarse red hair or um, every once in a while you'll get a black baby that has that random gene and they might get some blonde hair and it might be a little bit more wavy. So I think if we focus more on the texture and what each texture works well with, then I think it would be easy to teach the parents if they were willing to learn. As opposed to the ethnicity. So yes. it's examining the hair, not the ethnic. Ethnicity. Yes. Okay. So generationally speaking, have you noticed a difference between how well older adults take care of their hair versus the younger generation? What do you think, Rhonda? 
older tend to have better hair because they're used to the old school traits. They Such do roller sets like me. Uh -huh. <laughs> they do more pressing curls. They don't do a lot of chemicals. You know, they don't do a lot of weaving. They don't dread. They they just keep it old fashioned, and that's really healthy hair. They're used to oiling it. You know, you can't take them out of their ways. I want my roller set. I want it oiled, and I'm out. You can't change them up too much. So what about you, Lisa? Because a lot of people, I'm gonna generalize, so don't hurt me. But a lot of people uh, who prefer um, locks now are younger. Mm -hmm. So, um, in your opinion, do they take better care of their hair than the older generation? Um, no. Uh, I, I agree with Rhonda. A lot of older um, clients, they they have a routine that was passed down to them from their mother and their mother's mother, and they believe in the oiling and greasing of the scalp. They believe in less heat is better, so they stick with their roller sets. Where the younger generation, a lot of younger young adults, they want the weave so they could do shake and go, and they're not going to tie it up at night because it's the weave, and it don't matter. And if they have locks, they, they want that lock style, and they need to show off so they're not going to tie it up at night. So I must agree with Rhonda, the older generation tends to continue with making sure they have healthy hair. So what can we do, Deanna, about educating the younger generation about the importance of, of proper hair care? What can we do to educate the younger generation about hair care? The, the importance of hair care. Uh, for one thing, we can live by example, like we do by stylists. When our clients come in, they see our how our hair looks um, and how we take care of it, um, as well as just don't be ashamed to go against them I guess because they're so bent on their ways and just make the um, information available to them and how do you do that um, for me um, YouTube videos Facebook whenever I see them workshops and things like that okay so um, have you noticed um, any economic challenges over the past years regarding clients um, do they come to see, see more often? Do they not? Um, I did some research and uh, between 1990 and 2010, Tucson's African-American population has gone down by almost 5%. So with the black community slowly leaving Tucson, um, as well as the economy being challenging, have you noticed a difference in like the number of appointments your, your regular clients make, um, a change in your clientele? What differences have you noticed? Talisa? I've noticed um, a slight decrease with some of my clients' um, attendance, especially if they're a family. Like I have a family, a mother and two children, and they were coming every two weeks, but due to economy, her job position, and her having to get everyone serviced, it has made her come every three to four weeks or sometimes she'll come but the kids don't come which you know as a stylist and you're trying to keep your clients to maintain their healthy hair you tend to bend the rules and give them a discount and offer them you know a sliding scale on a service or but sometimes that doesn't help either like if your money ain't right you can't come so Rhonda, what about you? Have you noticed 
an economic difference, like the number of times your clients come to you, um, if they maybe change in service, like a, ask for a different hair care service because it's less expensive. Have you noticed any changes like that? Mm, yes, what economy. Yeah. And a lot of people move. We get a lot of military people. We get a lot of U of A people. So once they're done whatever they're doing, I get a lot of people that move out and then some new ones that move in. But what economy, yes. Okay, uh, and have you noticed anything, Janelle? No, what were the years you said? From well, actually from 1990 to 2010, our population exactly was 4.8%. So 5% um, of the population of Tucson's black population is left. Well, I've only been doing hair in Tucson since 2009, and I was new when I started. So I've noticed an increase because um, that was when I first started, and I kind of hit the ground running. I see it being more, um, my clients invest in me, or invest in their hair, and like Salisa was saying with the sliding scale, I find myself sometimes I may do a free hairdo. If they're calling me and they're like, D, you know, I can't make it, my money's not right, and then I look back at my books and I see they've invested $1,000 in me within the last year, then there's nothing for me to do a hairdo or two for free for them or at discount. But um, I don't see much of a difference. I see more of an increase. Or you know what? I'm lying. I do see a decrease. My schedule shows an increase because when I see a decrease in visits with particular clients, I'm making up with that with new clients and contacts. So, yes, there is a difference. You're listening to KXCI Community Advisory Board President Veronica Phillips with Rhonda Massengale and Salisa Johnson of Posse Styling Emporium and Deanna Grissette of Melvirus Hair Studio. Deanna, have you noticed a sense of uh, community um, with Tucson's African-American population? Yes, um, we do have a sense of community, but I think that we could do a lot better. For example, Juneteenth mm. is wiggity whack now. <laughs> when I was here, when I was younger, it used to be a lot more people to come out and support and just to uh, enjoy being amongst our culture. Is there anything wrong with us uh, diving into the diversity of other cultures? No, and it's great and it's excellent, but I feel like as a black people in Tucson, we could do a lot better with a community. So if I'm correct, Juneteenth is um, celebrating the last group of blacks that we uh, found out that they were free. Yes. And right. so that was our way, and I can't remember what state that was in. Was that in Texas? Yes. So that was, I'm good. So that was our way of celebrating. So you're right, Juneteenth has basically been kind of null and void. So mm -hmm. you're saying we should support more African-American uh, cultural events? Definitely. We need to show up for each other. We, we don't do that a lot in Tucson. There's a lot of african-american events and uh social events and whatnot going on um and there's a couple of promoters in tucson but they struggle because we just don't show up to support ourselves so you've built your own community within um your hair studio so how have you seen have you seen your relationships with your clients are they tighter or are they um, more loose? Do they share with you like Salisa's clients do? Definitely. You're inside their personal bubble, so even if it's a day to a year, you know, they're going to tell you what's going on with them and things like that, and I do feel like there is a community at Melvira's Hair Studio. I go out of my way to keep them connected with everything that's going on as far as by email, text message, or just me telling them 
So we do have some sense of community there. And Rhonda, you've been my Yoda. So whenever I come to you, you'll say one sentence, and it totally, completely changes my perspective. So is there, um, do you find that um, your clients be able to confide in you and talk to you and you be able to help them? Do you find that community is a tight niche? Yeah, I have to do a lot of listening. A lot of listening. Yeah, because I do a lot of talking. Yeah. No, I mean, but not just you. A lot of people, they come, they get to talk to us, they might feel bad. Or they might just be going through the worst, and you might know an experience of yours or somebody else's that kind of helps them. So we do a lot of listening. We should also be a psychiatrist. Exactly. Slash hair. Exactly. <laughs> slash um, <laughs> Slash everything. But, but it's, do you believe that people come back for all three of you? Um, do you believe that people come back because of your listening skills, because of your caring and concern? A big part of it. You do? Mm -hmm. I agree. A huge part of it. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so, what is the greatest professional compliment you've ever received? What about you, Diana? I would say that my greatest professional comment is just when they don't tell me and they show me by acts of kindness, you know. Uh, for instance, when I had a tragedy happen in my life a year or so ago, my client showed up and showed out, you know. Uh, these ladies uh, did clients for me and they came and donated and did all this stuff. And that was a great compliment for me because I didn't expect that from people that I just do their hair. I didn't think that I was that important to them, you know. And they tell me all the time now and or I give them a, a profile card and when they fill it out, they write little comments and stuff. And I guess me just giving them the opportunity to do that has helped me to realize like, oh, I am important to them. How awesome is that? So so for you, it's the doing. Yeah. And what about you, Salisa? What is the greatest professional compliment you've ever received? Um, I would say the doing as well. I, I'd rather you do it. And with that being said, um, Tell somebody to tell somebody to tell somebody. Help me increase my clientele base. You know, um, to say thank you, that that's appreciated. But when they go out of their way and put a picture on Facebook and add a tag and I got my hair done with Salisa Johnson today. <laughs> like, that just make you feel special because with everybody being on social media, it's like, if I got 500 friends and Deanna's my friend and her 500 and Rhonda's my friend and her 500, 1,500 people just saw my skills. So that that really makes me feel good. So. What about you, Rhonda? I agree with the doing. So doing is more important than the words? Both. People that send me cards, thank you cards, tell me I'm special to them. I have a lot of people that say you have growing hands and they'll refer somebody and say, I heard you can grow my hair, you know, so words and doing. Okay. All right. So let's talk about Chris Rock mm. and his 2009 documentary called Good Hair. Mm. So who would like to start to talk about and define what good hair is? I'll start. Why not? Okay, Dion, go ahead. To me, good hair is defined as hair that is uh, well-maintained clean, moisturized to your level of uh, moisture that you need, and that's good hair. Good hair should not be defined by your texture because God gave us so many different textures and I don't feel as though one texture should define how beautiful or unbeautiful, if that's a word, another hair texture is. 
but I think Chris Rock did a really, really good job of educating us about our hair, and uh, I hope that there are more biographies like that to educate us. What about you, Rhonda? What do you think of Chris Rock's good hair, and how do you define good hair? I agree with Deanna. Good hair is healthy hair. Mm -hmm. How you maintain it, no matter what texture it is. A person can have silky straight hair, but thin and fried out, overcolored, or overpermed. Uh, our hair, we can have braids, you know, you can have things that can take it out, or you can do things to make it healthy. So good hair is healthy hair. And Salisa? My motto is, all hair is good hair. Myself and Rhonda saw good hair together, and I commend Chris Rock because it's a lot of things that African African Americans take for granted, you know. You you want to look like the latest celebrity and Beyonce and you want this long weave, but in the process, did you do your research to find out how long should you wear this weave? Is your um person that's applying the weave, is she doing it correctly? Is she going to stress your hair by braiding it too tight? So I agree 100%. Rhonda, in your opinion, does hair affect self-esteem? Oh, yes. So do any specific examples come to mind? Or do you just in general? Um, a person might come in here and they can be dressed from head to toe. But if their hair is not going with that outfit, they're just not going to feel it. So once they come in here and we do their hair along with their outfit, everything goes hand in hand. So. If you got a messy hairdo, no matter what it is, dread, straight, weave, if it's not going, it's not going to complete you. Do you agree with that, Your It shows in your performance if you're not confident in your image, so you should definitely wear your hair in a way or such a manner that makes you feel good, makes you feel confident. Also, as a stylist, we're, we're our own billboards, we're our own advertisement, and Last week, I, I just shared this a little bit, um, I had two bad hair days in a row. Like, I felt cute, my attire, but my hair was just a hot mess. And that that bothered me. Like, I, I still performed my duties, you know. However, I didn't feel good about myself because, like Rhonda said, here I am dressed to the nine, but every time I looked in the mirror, I'm like, I really need to do something to my hair. So your hair, you know, agreeing with Deanna, it is your crown. It is your glory. And I just feel that my hair ain't right. I'm not right. And that, that go with my eyebrows. So, <laughs> yes. A yes. lot of people that get sick and stuff, I think they'd be more, they, they're concerned with their illness. Right. Mm -hmm. When you say it's going to affect their hair, that 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 sticks like mm -hmm. my hair. What do you mean, my That's hair? Excellent. Yeah, because a lot of people, unfortunately, I know, have had cancer and they've lost yes. their hair. Yes. So, which has devastated them. They're like, I can handle the and cancer, but my hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a really good point. So, to kind of wrap it up, what is the one thing you would like people of all cultures to know about the importance of African American hair care and the pride that goes along with it? John, don't touch it without permission. Meaning. Meaning, um, when you see a woman with long, luxurious locks as myself, don't feel um, that you can come up and just touch on me, you know, because I don't do that to other people in other cultures. And I just say that because most people that walk up and just touch my hair are 
of other cultures other than African-American and I understand that they are fascinated about it and it's okay but just give me the same respect that you would have and um, ask me can I touch your hair nine times out of ten I'll say yes but don't just come touch it on me because they don't want to feel like I need to be on defense um, and just accept all cultures the way they are and how God made them because he doesn't make any mistakes Excellent. That happened to me in Mexico. I had my hair braided, and um, I mean, guys were just grabbing my hair, and I was, I was like, okay, do I use my self-defense and stuff, or do I walk away? Because it was very, very invasive. I felt very, very violated. Mm -hmm. So I understand that. So, Salisa, what's the one thing you would like people of all cultures to know about the importance of African American hair care and the pride that goes along with it? I would like them to let the stereotypes go. Um, such as realize that kinky hair is good hair coarse hair is good hair and with that being said you have a lot of young African American girls young adults who flip through the magazine and they rather point out a picture and look like Beyonce with her weave or they want Jennifer Aniston highlights, I'd rather see them point out a picture, you want to look like Michelle Obama with them banging bangs. You want to look like Pam Greer with her afro. Like, take Eric Badu. Eric Badu, lover, lover. Take pride in it. And with that being said, I think a lot of other ethnic groups need to embrace it as well as we're embracing it. And it's not a bad thing to have kinky curly hair. And Rhonda, what about yourself? I think people need to find what they like, whether it be natural hair, straight hair. To me, when I deal with clients, nobody likes what they have. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants the straight hair. The Caucasian people, they want to be a little more kinkier. The black people want to be a little more straighter, you know, or just find what fits you and, and work with that. I mean, you know, really don't go because that's the end thing. Nicki Minaj is wearing a shortcut, or I'm cutting mine off. Michelle Obama wearing bangs, everybody want bangs. You gotta, I, I didn't wear bangs before except for elementary, but I just wore some with a weave, and first I was like, bangs, get out of here. But I tried it, and I liked it. So you gotta try different things, and find what fits you, and go there. Perfect ending. Rhonda, Salisa, Deanna, thank you so much. Thank you for having you. That was KXCI Community Advisory Board President Veronica Phillips with Rhonda Massengale and Salisa Johnson of Posse Styling Emporium and Deanna Grissett of Melvira's Hair Studio in honor of Black History Month and Women's History Month. This has been part two of a two-part series. Thank you for listening to 30 Minutes on 91.3 KXCI Tucson. I'm Amanda Shager. You can find this as a podcast on kxci.org.